This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It was a shaky afternoon on the Thames for Guardiola's Armada of treble chasing blues. There may have been rocky waters in West London, but Admiral Alvarez managed to get City home safe and, well, just about dry. It's Monday the 1st of May. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie McCool. And I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. <laughs> Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. This episode of the City Report podcast is sponsored by Discount Dragon. Just like Johnny Stones, we know that bargains get the Blues excited and you can find all of the best brands at better value over on Discount Dragon. If you're a new customer, you'll even be able to grab yourself an extra £5 off any order that you place. So get over to Discount Dragon as quick as you can. UK only, terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to another brand new week at the City Report podcast. Um, As always, at this point of of a Monday morning moment of the weekend Ollie Kay let's start with you it wasn't the you know it wasn't a prime sporting weekend both in the Barclays and elsewhere a few promotions in the EFL stuff like that but I'm I'm struggling myself so I'll pass over to you straight away oh well I get I get to go first so I'm gonna uh, steal this one before Ollie McCall does it's got to be Alvarez's goal right the guy the guy is just superb every time he plays he's brilliant and he's is he on a goal a game when he does appear or just over a goal a game? I mean, he's, 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 his ratio per minute probably isn't that far off of Haaland himself. And this is a guy that usually has to step into a game halfway through, albeit he didn't tonight today, but um, he's he's just a wonderful player. You know, he buys his time on the bench and when he does start or when he does come on, he makes maximum use of it. The guy's an Aguero regen, which is just beautiful to see. It gives me uh, gives me goosebumps seeing him on the pitch like like it's uh, Sergio coming mm. back. But 
Yeah, his goal tonight was just uh, yeah tonight, yesterday, today. Blah, 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 blah. For listeners, his goal yesterday was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the touch to take it away from the defenders. He's just such a clever footballer, and the finish itself, you know, the the execution was just superb. So, moment of the weekend for me has got to be Alvarez's goal and just seeing Alvarez on the pitch with Haaland. You asked if he's on a goal game. Well, he's played 41 games. He's scored 15 goals now. So, near enough, near enough once every three matches. But yeah, so still, I think, I think a... per 90, he is, I his ratio mean, is yeah. over per 90. Because, um, yeah, because right. obviously he makes that, so many appearances off the bench. Um, but McCool, always seems to, seems to get something when he does play. Um, I th- well, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna stick with the Fulham match, but I'm gonna say Jack Grealish just being a shit house because it's just the best. It's just the best <laughs> thing to watch him stomping about the pitch, winding up every player, every every fan in the crowd. That moment where there were, where all the Fulham fans were swearing at him, and you know various hand signals of negative kinds, um, and he just smiled back at them like like without a care in the world. I mean, he must wind up everyone. And that's and that must be why they all boo him, you know. Every he gets he gets booed yeah. every ground he goes to, you know. Uh, you know anyone with a Sky satellite dish is booed the man for some reason, and I just love it because he just doesn't care. Even even on his bad days, his performances in shit house are a ten out of ten. I, c- I can imagine there's someone at home. Let's call him Bill. <laughs> From Rotherham, who just sits there in his front room every time Jack Grealish He's gets on the fucking pitch. Never seen. Yeah, would you just look? I don't. You just ate him, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, look at this brat rolling about floor. That's what I can imagine. People, that's what I can imagine. Jack Grealish sends the masses into lads. Um, can I? Uh, just, sorry, Amos. Just before we move on, and while we're having a bit of a laugh, just want to read out this tweet I've just seen about Alvarez. Junior Alvarez is a unique case and a key learning material for scouts and recruitment staff. Take away his ability to hit the ball very hard and clean at all angles, and no top club would look his way. Good mental profile, though. God. Oh my god! I tell you what, that's my moment of the week. Do you know what the worst thing is? That that's a inverted commas City football Twitter account. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, there's my moment of the weekend. Take his ability to hit the ball very hard, and and Julian Alvarez, Julian Alvarez will be a, a bang average footballer. Um, right, let's get into the Fulham game because it was, it was, it was a match um, to start off with. Ollie Kirsch, it, it was one of them, wasn't it? It was always going to be the case. We spoke about it in the preview the last time City played Arsenal and and blitzed Arsenal and got a really good result at the Emirates. The game after it. 1-1 draw against Nottingham Forest. The performance was good, the finishing wasn't, blah, 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 whatever you want to attribute the issue to. It felt like that was the case today. Maybe not so much in the performance, but more in the sense that no matter what happened, no matter how City played, they had to leave Craven Cottage with three points. You're not going to find us on this podcast today, I don't think, uh, in the same way as we wax lyrical about the performance against Arsenal on Wednesday night. It was attritional, but D and me, they they made quite hard work of it. Yeah, it's just one of those, isn't it? I, I think off the back of the Arsenal result, we were all on a bit of a high, and in the city in the in the City Report pod preview for the Fulham game, we were talking about you know three one four one, blow them away, blah blah blah. But it just doesn't always work like that, does it? You know, the players will mm. be physically tired, they'll be mentally tired. They're down in London. Fulham are a good side, of course. But as you say, and to be extremely cliche about it, the important thing here is to get three points. That's what title winners do. And we've gone and done it. The only thing I would say is that I mentioned briefly in the preview pod as well, that I do wonder to what extent 
Fulham's position in firmly in mid-table mediocrity with nothing really to play for, how that will impact the game. And I actually think it did in the end impact the game. You know, that when we did lose the ball, the Fulham fans weren't willing them forward, the players weren't you know, going absolute balls to the wall to get the ball up the pitch and try and steal something. It's weird, you know, this is when it's going to... This is the stage of the season, and Arsenal will have it as well, where you want to be playing teams that have little to play for, because I do think that today made a tangible difference. And, I mean, where Arsenal are concerned, Chelsea, they've got the same issue. They've not really got anything to play for now, apart from perhaps reclaiming a little bit of pride after the horrendous season. Newcastle, by the time they play them... That's slated as their toughest remaining fixture. Newcastle might have third place locked down mathematically mm. by then. So it is going to make a difference looking at how our opposition are doing. I think the last teams that you want to play at the moment are those in a relegation dogfight. And we do have uh, one or two coming up. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But as I say, Fulham, nah, they, they cause us a few problems. Obviously, they got the goal. But overall, they, they it, it wasn't a hostile atmosphere away where they're really looking to make things nervy for us. We we saw it over the line fairly straightforwardly. And you mentioned, you bring up the fact that they had nothing to play for. I think it was more the fact that it was Fulham. And even if Fulham had something to play for, I'm not I'm not too sure that that last 45 minutes, last half an hour, last eight minutes of injury time would make too much difference. Because I'm thinking if it's at Wolves, if it's, a, I don't know, a Leeds United who are obviously struggling, I'm trying to think of mid-table teams. There's not that many because either everyone's in a European fight or everyone's in the sort of the relegation scrap itself. But take your bang average, generic mid-table team, Team, Crystal Palace, for example, that last 30 minutes, even if the team has nothing to play for, the fans are, are, are viciously whistling for the ball to go in the net. It felt like it was it was a kickabout in the park, to be honest. And I'm thinking, dear me, if this is any other club, if this is any other stadium, that, that last period of the match could have been much more difficult for City. Yeah, the, the biggest indicator was when the scoreboard went up with the added time. If we're losing... There's a light ripple of applause. Yeah, exactly. If we're losing or we're drawing or any other club, as you say, like Leeds, if we were at Ellen Road, 2-1 up, and that board goes up for eight minutes, there's fireworks and gunshots going off in the stands. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Fulham, it, it was it was barely even acknowledged. So that, for me, was the big, biggest indicator that Fulham just were not that arsed. So all we can hope for for the remainder of the season is that so the way that things pan out, the teams that we're playing against have got nothing to play for. That would be lovely. Um, Ollie McCall, I'll bring you in. Um, like I said, when I spoke to Ollie Kay at the start, it was about getting the job done, wasn't it? And City did get the job done. Was there any particular parts that you were you were impressed with in terms of you take? It's always going to be difficult, no matter how good the team is, and no matter how many opinion and think pieces there are on the Guardian to say that City are going to steamroll themselves to treble with any sort of. I think there was one Sunday morning about a, a jeopardyless club or something like this the, the fact matches at City it never looks like they're going to drop points I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they were watching that game because I felt like for the last half an hour DME that's had 2-2 all over it but was there any part of that that sort of that backs against it, it's weird I'm calling it backs against the wall but again it wasn't City weren't at the best but they got a victory and and, and again I, I think maybe we just have to at this point in the season say that is all that matters there's no point in digging into the performance because that's sort of irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this isn't this wasn't a game for, you know, beautiful football. You know, I, th- I think the f- the fact that we were so brilliant against Arsenal last week made was was shown up here. That was the game where we had to be perfect, play the better football, wipe wipe them off the play them off the park. 
But today we just have to get the three points. You know, the rest of the season, we just have to get the three points in these games. You look at the famous run in 18-19, what were they doing every week? They were just getting the three points, you know, that 1-0 versus Burnley, even 2-0 at Old Trafford. Wasn't a, they weren't classics by any means, but they got the job done. They just won the game. Um, Aston Villa, you know, last day of the season, you know, two nil down, and they just had to get the three points. They just had to win the game. So what did they do? They actually turned they turned it on and won the game. Um, you know, and to, to, uh, last yesterday it comes down to Julian Alvarez. You know, Ollie had a brilliant, you know, kind of talking beautifully about him at the start there. It's just saying how brilliant he was. And that's just what a Julian Alvarez can do. You know, there aren't many teams in the world where the presence of someone like Kevin De Bruyne wouldn't be totally missed. But, you know, we've got Julian Alvarez, who's, you know, probably the third best striker in the league. And he's our number two. And he's, you know, our backup number 10 as well, it seems. He's just a phenomenal player who just runs around like a terrier. You know, uh, there was a stab at some point during, uh, just after the, second half started 24 final third pressures and and the and second was Carlos Vinicius of Fulham with seven you know it just shows how ridiculously <laughs> talented he is in all facets of the game mm. um and you know and yeah Fulham you know their fans had the Victoria sponges out in the stands they were celebrating staying up in the Premier League you know which no one thought they would at the start of this season me included um, but you could argue if City won the league this season, we won it against Fulham, you know, both in the 2-1 uh, earlier in the season and the 2-1 mm. yesterday. You know, two absolutely fantastic results from games where the scoreline wasn't, you know, perfect for us. You know, there were, there were both two games where we struggled, you know, struggling to get the, the, the winning goal at the Etihad and it was struggling to keep keep a hold of the winning goal in this game. Um, brilliant performances from City and, you know, there's... there's and, you know, Fulham fans, they're not going to remember this game. They're not going to be doing any late night talking about this game and talking about how brilliant it was. City fans, I don't think will really remember. You know, this is just going to be another one of those games in April where we had to get the win. You know, in, in five years' time, you know, we'll look we'll look at this season. If we win the Premier League, we'll look at this season and go, oh, yeah, Fulham, they were tough games. Oh, yeah, looking at it, I can remember that tough game. But ultimately, this is what title running is all about. You just got to you just got to get the results in these games. It's not about performance. It's not about playing pretty football. And Guardiola's shown he's more than happy to do that. You know, we were all screaming for Bernardo to come on from you know pretty much the start of the second half because City just couldn't keep the ball. Kyle Walker, you know, that kind of almost headless moment where, he, where it looked like he could have given away a penalty, and Fulham fan and Fulham players were screaming for it. Uh, you know, Manuel Akanji going up for that you know, clash of his head, you know, and, and coming off better of it somehow. He knew he knew he must have been in for a whack there and he got away with it. Um, it's just what these games are about. They're attritional, they're dirty, they're not very nice, but you get the win. You get the win. You get the win and, and City certainly did. And and in the end, indebted, as, as we've already uh, hinted to, to Julian Alvarez. Here's a stat from Up to Joe. Among players with 10 plus starts for Premier League team this season, Erling Haaland, 67%, is the only player who scored in a higher percentage of his starts across all competitions than Julian Alvarez with 61%. That's 11 out of 18 starts, Ollie. Um it, it, it's impressive, isn't it, for a player who's who's never starting a game at Manchester City. He's, he's a bench warmer, and um, I think it was Tariq Panja when he arrived said that <laughs> Julian Alvarez consigns himself to a career of being loaned out to multiple clubs across Europe. Forget Haaland for a second. I know that's difficult to do. We will speak about him uh, momentarily, but forget Haaland for a second. 
This boy is having an incredible season. He takes his tally to 15 goals, I think it is, for the campaign. Without Erling Haaland there, that could have been 30. He could have been challenging the Premier League record goals tally himself. And what a finish to sort of just illustrate his array of talents. An almost Kevin De Bruyne-esque sort of goal from the edge of the box. He, he, he was a bright spark and, like we said, an otherwise maybe dull's the wrong word, but a, a muted Man City performance against Fulham. Yeah, uh, there was another stat that popped up during the game. It said most pressures in the final third, and it was like Julian Alvarez 24. And then the next one down, I think it was Riyad Mahrez on eight. Would, would that be the stat that Oli McCall's just listed? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking. I was, watching a, I was watching a clip of Leeds fans absolutely trashing the team. We'll cut that out. Um, <laughs> we won't. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, absolutely. He, he is a bright spark. And look, the problem, the biggest problem that we have at City, even with such a small squad, is that players start to get a bit pissed off when they're not playing every week, right? We've we've seen it with Chancelo, mm. we see it with Laporte, we've seen it with various players that have left Jesus, Sterling, etc. And Alvarez, listen, he's only in his first season, but he can't be that upset because he's just signed a new contract. But when he does come on. He's one hundred and twenty percent. The guy, the guy is just—he's bright. He's a bright spark, not only on the pitch, but for the mood as well. The way he comes on and just forgets everything, just focuses on his football, and and just has an amazing attitude. Um, you said goals reminiscent of De Bruyne. I'm going to say it again, Aguero. It's just—I'm sorry. It's just all I see when I'm on the pitch. When he's on the pitch, um, but yeah, look. At the end of the day, we're extremely lucky because Alvarez. Mm. Alvarez is one of the top strikers in Europe at the moment. And it sounds weird to say because he is effectively a bench warmer for City. But in an era where it is changing, but we're still kind of in that era where top, top strikers are very hard to come by. We did well snatching Haaland. There were a few others that were being mooted. Skamaka, for example, obviously went to West Ham. Isaac, uh, Darwin Nunes was another one. There have been a few, but none that are kind of on that elite level, really, by Haaland. Um, and we've just kind of plucked Alvarez out of nowhere. He's like, he's like a jumpers for goalpost story. You know, playing in <laughs> yeah. South America, doing well over there. And he's been brought in and he's performing at the very highest level for the very best team in Europe. It's an incredible arc. You know, he's not had a stepping stone like Dortmund, like Haaland had. Uh, most players have. He's just come straight in from South America and absolutely smashed it. I couldn't be happier with him. And really, I, I, it's hard because I hope Pep can find a way to fit them both in regularly next season. Um, but no doubt, you know, we're going to sign a fantastic midfielder or two and we're going to have this, uh, this, this dilemma all over again. But what a beautiful dilemma to have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look how he plays. That goal was like he was like the goalkeeper wasn't even there. He passed it into the top corner almost. It was a beautiful goal, and it's just what he's capable of, and it's what he was doing at River um, at the start of the Argentinian season last year. And maybe that's a factor in why Pep isn't play, isn't playing him as much. You know, he's by the end of this season, he'll have played eighteen months of straight football with a World Cup in between. You know, he's not really had a break as such. You know, his, his first break was joining us for pre-season. And as we all know, pre-season training isn't, you know, the time you want to be slacking off a little bit, especially when you're a brand new player. Um, he's just a phenomenon. He's an absolute phenomenon. And a lot of people, you know, they didn't know who he was when he joined. Everyone, you know, Tariq Panja was one to, was only one of many writing him off. And I think and I think a few people at City were going, like, oh, Haaland's coming in. That could 
be problematic. And, you know, there was talk of him going out on loan. And I'm so glad he hasn't because he's making a difference here at City. And like you said, Amos, if Haaland wasn't here, he'd probably be challenging for all these records himself. He's a phenomenal finisher with with a Bernardo-like engine room in him. He's just, he's the best mm. of both worlds. And he's always got a smile on his face. You know, the Arge- Argentinian fans love him. You know, because he's he won them the World Cup essentially with Lionel Messi. You know, behind Lionel Messi, he was the most important player in that campaign for me, um, and for a lot and for a lot of people in Argentina. And he's, you know, it's almost quite sad that you know, in in the national team, he's behind Messi as the most important player, and here he's behind Haaland as the striker. You know, it's it's kind of it's not a bad duo, it's, it's, though. It's, is not, it? you know, no, it's, it's not. It's not. If you could think of two better mentors to have, you know, one is your striker mentor, one is your kind mm. of footballing mentor. You can't really get much better. And then he's got Sergio Aguero bigging him up on his Twitch live streams every week. You know, it's kind of the perfect trio really to be learning from. Um, and, and I just love that he's embraced life in Manchester. It seems he seems really happy here. He always got a smile on his face. He's just the perfect player to have in your dressing room and the perfect player to have on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, you know, embracing life in Manchester. I think one of his brothers plays for a local non-league team. They've sort of seen at City Games, away matches every now and again, mingling with the fans and stuff. And and he's great, you know. Aguero Regen is the one that that's thrown about. I think he's probably more akin to Tevez in his all-round play, but finishes like that against Fulham, certainly from Aguero's uh, sort of book of, of goal-scoring talent. He was an absolute bargain. If you want some more bargains, here's a message from our sponsor. It's fair to say City love themselves a bargain and there's been no better than Julian Alvarez in recent years. £50 million, what a steal. But if you fancy grabbing yourself an Alvarez-style bargain, then head over to Discount Dragon. With an array of food and drink products to choose from, you, the listener, can shop for the best high street bargains straight from the comfort of your own home. Discount Dragon is the place to find all of the best brands at better value and new customers can even get an extra £5 off all orders. UK only, terms and conditions apply. From one bargain to another then, Ollie Kay, Mr. Erlin Harland, he takes his tally to, um, I hope he sat down, because he takes his tally to 50 goals for the campaign. They're over, hopefully, touch wood, should everything go to plan, over 10 more matches for him to play in. He is the, he scored more goals than Wait for it. Seven different Premier League teams have netted in all competitions this term. An absolute machine. It took him two minutes um, to find the, the target. It must have been only, so if you put the two matches against Arsenal and Fulham together, his, his two last goals must have taken about five minutes in between. But he, he didn't manage to find himself on the target again. A couple of good saves from Bern Leno. But another illustration really, isn't it, that the the benefit of having somebody like Erling Haaland, obviously this was, this was a penalty, but he's a man who can get you a goal even when you're playing poorly. And it, uh, another, another goal on what is turning out to be a, a season to remember. It, for you, is it is it the best season of any City player of all time? Are we into that category? Because for a lot of people, the novelty's already worn off. But should we be speaking about, we are watching, we are obviously watching history in front of our eyes. But, you know, should we, should we, should, is this something we'll look back on in 10, 15, 20, 30 years and go, oh my God, that was one of the best campaigns of any Premier League player ever? Or is he going to go on and do it even better next year? I think the answer is both. I think <clears throat> where Haaland's concerned, the only person that's going to be capable of breaking his records in the near future is him. Mm. Absolutely. Um, 
and anyone else would be very lucky to get near because at the end of the day, he's not only the greatest striker in the world right now, he's doing it playing for what is one of the greatest assemblies of teams in the world um, or players and all under Pep. The, the conditions are absolutely perfect for a player to blow out 100-year-old records, which he is doing. I think mm. it's 92 years since an English top flight season had this many goals across all comps. And yeah. do you know what? When Harlan was back at uh, Salzburg, I think that was the first time I'd heard of him. And I I refer to it fairly often, actually. I messaged my dad at the time and it said just uh, just something like, keep an eye on this Harlan kid. It's Alfie Harlan's son. And sent him a load of stats. And, you know, at that point when you're following him and you're seeing what he's doing, you just assume that it's just another kid tearing up just another... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, middling European league. We saw it with Makoko at Dortmund, obviously at the youth tier. He was blowing away all records and it hasn't quite translated to senior. And just going through and I searched Haaland in the, in, the, in the WhatsApp going back and it's just goal after goal and I'm saying we need him, we need him, we need him. But I could never have dreamed that he would put up these sorts of numbers. It is mm. literally, not cliche, quite literally unprecedented in the modern footballing era. It's unprecedented in most of footballing history. You know, you've got to go back to Dixie Dean to find somebody that was doing these kind of numbers. And he's putting up goal ratios that are uh, better than or better or equal around to Messi's peak seasons. So, I mean, I, I don't really know what else to say about him, to be honest. And as I say, he's only 22. He's got possibly more, even more physical development to do. He's got certainly more experience to garner and more to learn from Pep and the others around him. The only person that is going to break Haaland's records in the near future is Erling Haaland. Yeah, it's interesting there you bringing up Salzburg and when you first discovered him. Um, I think I think we've all got that that kind of when we first saw Haaland memory. Um, I mean, being being a football manager player, you know, I don't want to claim I knew him before everyone else, but I knew him before everyone else. <laughs> And then when you see, you know, the stats that you're seeing in a game come to, come to reality, and that do, and it doesn't happen as often as people think anymore. And the crazy numbers he was putting up at Salzburg, you know, we all remember when he scored at Anfield for Salzburg, an absolutely mental game in that Champions League run, and then immediately moved to Dortmund. You know, it's it's crazy how he nearly ended up at Manchester United at that age. It scares mm. me. That that scares me more so than you know the fact that Jude Bellingham nearly went there or that, you know, all these other players that they've nearly signed, um, you know, if, if they if they got a hold of Haaland, that would have been terrifying. And I mean, as City fans, he, he bears the name of one of our one of our greats of that era. You know, Alfie Haaland is, is, a, is a cult hero at this club. Um, you know, we all, we've all seen the video of him being lifted up on the, hoisted up on the shoulders of Man City fans in like 2005, 2006, was it? At a random game that he just appeared in the away end at, you know, out yeah, exact. I I would disagree there, Ollie. I think he is a great. I think he's a, I think he's proper. Right, I'll, I'll just interject there and give context for the listeners. I've yeah. just typed into the chat box that Alfie being a great is is strong. Yeah. Uh, he was a cult hero, absolutely. I, I, yeah, a cult, cult hero. But I, and I think you, there weren't many greats that era. Let exactly. Me tell you. Well, yeah. And I mean, and I mean, you look at Harland. Uh, Erling Haaland in this case he's he became a cult hero before he'd even you know signed the contract really you know the amount of City fans that were desperate mm. for him and I was one of them um, and you 50 goals and it's April that's ridiculous that's beyond anyone's expectations you know he's already got to the Premier League record for both a 38 and 42 game season he's evidently going to go and break that 
you know, even if, even if it's by one or it might, you know, you know, we never know with him. It might, he might go and score another 10 or 15 goals before the end of the season if he goes on a rampage. You just don't know with him. You never know what to expect with Erling Haaland. And you can call him a tapping merchant. You can call him this, you can call him that. But that's what City needed. They didn't need someone to score the 30-yard screamers, you know, or another free mm. kick taker. They needed someone to come and finish the job off in the box. And they just went and signed the number one in the world at doing that. And he's becoming a better footballer every single week, every single game. That's testament to him as a player, but it's testament to the system and the coaching that he's had around him. Just going to cap this off very briefly with a little bit of Berting. I don't believe for a second that he was going to join Man United. They might have hosted them, they might have had the talks, but knowing Haaland with the supreme confidence that he's got in his own ability, I think even back then at Mould and at Salzburg, he knew he would have had the opportunity to join City or indeed Madrid at the time. And I don't think a, a mediocre Man United under Oli was ever really on the table for him. So you lot can tell yourselves that all you want, United fans, if it helps you sleep at night, but he was never pulling that shirt on. Let's move on and, and look at the wider picture of the title race then. Manchester City, another start. Manchester City have won eight consecutive Premier League games. It's now the longest winning streak of any team in the 2022-23 season, taking over Arsenal's from between February and April. Um, Ollie Kay, it, it, it's one thing chasing down the leader, as we know. It's one thing doing that. It's another thing maintaining that. And I'm not saying that for a second City are going to now crumble under the pressure in a similar way that we've seen to Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal play on Tuesday. City then go and play on Wednesday. So there's a chance for Arsenal momentarily to go back to the top of the table. And, and I think possibly until that final game of the season, given how the, the fixtures pan out, there might be a little bit of... They go top, we go top, we extend the lead, they cut it back. You know, it's going to be a little bit of cat and mouse until um, City play their games in hand. What do you envisage from here on in? And, and uh, again, I said this after the Arsenal uh, Arsenal game, we don't need any. The title is done. Anyone thinking that, you need to give your head a wobble. There's still plenty of matches to go. And I think a performance like the Fulham game was, was sort of against the better team, against the Brighton, against the Brentford. I wouldn't be surprised to see City maybe ship one or two more goals. But what do you see from this point on now City have reclaimed the top, uh, the, reclaimed the spot at the top of the table? Well, I, I mean, I see in those fixtures where the opposition are a little bit better than Fulham that we will turn it up again. I would like to think so. But at the end of the day, whether we're chasing or whether we're leading and setting the pace, we've done it all before. You know, ultimately, at this stage of the season, it applies to both City and Arsenal. Even the easy games are hard games because you're not only playing against the opposition, you're playing against the pressure that is stacked against you to go and get the result. You know, even looking at Leeds, on the one hand at the Leeds game, I'm looking at that thinking Haaland's going to get five and break that 40-goal barrier. On the other hand, I'm looking at it thinking <laughs> whether Leeds have gone down or not, we've got our own pressure to deal with. Now, we've got experience with dealing with that. Arsenal don't. And on paper, at least in the next three games, Chelsea at home, Newcastle away, Brighton at home, they've got harder fixtures. So... I don't know. My head says that Arsenal aren't going to keep up the pace and actually they're not going to be cutting those leads back and they're going to drop off a bit. My heart or my head, I can't remember which one I said first, but <laughs> <laughs> sensible side of me says, um, or sorry, the, the cynical side of me says that, yeah, they are going to maintain the pressure and it's going to be edgy. But it, it's so hard to call, but I've made the prediction a few times and I'm going to stick with it that we are going to see it through. 
they're seeing it through and then they're doing it with what many are predicting if Arsenal drop a couple more points with a couple of games in hand and and I'm conflicted I think that the Real Madrid semi-final will play a big part of it as to when City ideally would want to have the title wrapped up if there is well we know there's an FA Cup final to come hopefully there'll be a Champions League final to come as well but but Oli McCool is is the now I I think the the big part of this is seeing what Arsenal do in this crunch run of games because before they drop points to Liverpool, before they drop points against West Ham and then Southampton, we were looking at this run of games against City, against Chelsea, against Newcastle, then Brighton as one where we're going, right, okay, we're going to need something there. City don't need something there now, but do you think that perhaps maybe if Arsenal, if City want to get that wrapped up, early doors, they're going to need a couple more drop points from Arsenal because eventually, as we saw against Fulham, you know, City can't maintain them standards for the next month. There are going to be natural drop-offs. Leicester second half, another example of where City, inverted commas, lost the half and, and you know, really could have probably gone and conceded a couple more. Um, so does do City need to just keep battering, keep pushing the pressure on, hoping that Arsenal slip up one or two games more? Because... I fear if it does go to the final week of the season and things start to get a little bit jittery, we know what football can do. We know what the gods can take over and and there can be a pendulum swing as well. Just making sure the hard work in this last month or so doesn't go to waste. Yeah, I I think City, you know, both as fans and, 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 you know, the the actual setup and and the club, they'll want this one before the final day if they can. You know, whether it's, whether it's winning it at home, in front of the home crowd at Chel- against Chelsea, which seems difficult, you know, if especially if Arsenal. Well, with well, apart from the crowd, there has been a game against Chelsea in recent memory where we we could have won. It, yeah, well, it, well, exactly, out. exactly. That turned out terrible. Exactly. I mean, Ferran Torres and Raheem Sterling as midfielders—that's just terrible, <laughs> terrible. And but I mean, that's what can happen in the title run, and you know, your team needs you need to rotate your team. And you know, sometimes, and sometimes, you know, it looks like you're throwing a game just because you need to keep players like Kevin De Bruyne or Jack Grealish on the bench, for example. Um, I think City, obviously, they're going to. We all want Arsenal to drop points in these next few games. You know, we we all want Newcastle to do us to do us a favour, or Chelsea to you know restore some sort of pride to their season by getting anything they can against Arsenal. Um, and then Brighton, a Brighton, you know, they're probably, you know, the, the, I think they're Pep's favourite team in the Premier League to watch. And for good reason, they're an absolute, absolutely brilliant watch with a hell of a lot of quality. Um, just look what they did to Wolves uh, the other day. Phenomenal side. Mm. And, and they're going to be a tricky, and they're, and they're going to be a tricky club for us to face uh, in the second last game. Um, yeah, City are going to want this done before, before the final day if they can. And that will require Arsenal to drop. Pro- at least probably one more set of points in a game you know whether it's whether it's dropping mm. two or three you know we'll just have to wait and see but you don't want to make any predictions because I think it is quite impossible to predict there's plenty that could go either way you know and the Real Madrid semi-final is going to play a huge part in this uh, especially with it being the first time playing uh, Real Madrid in the semi-final with the home leg second uh, that's, I think that makes a huge mm. difference to that time it makes a huge difference to our Premier League season because you know, less travel in the final couple of weeks can be it can make all the difference. It can really make a huge difference, uh, especially in such a congested schedule. Um, but you know, you've you've just got to have faith in the club, and I don't and I don't think the club are going to be looking at it, looking at looking over their shoulder on the table. Now they're going to see it as right. We've gone top. 
we may we may lose it for a night on Tuesday, but we've got to go top again. We've got to stay top on Wednesday, and then from there it's just steamrolling through and just winning and winning and winning. And that's all they've got to be thinking about. They can't be. They can't really afford to think about Arsenal because the moment you do that, that's when doubts creep, and that's when the mentality goes. Mm. And I think the second the mentality goes, that for either side, and it looks like it has for Arsenal in some ways, I think that could cause some problems. In a perverse sense, you almost hope that. Chelsea don't get something against Arsenal on Tuesday night and that Arsenal actually then do retake position at the top of the table because I don't know it felt like that first half against Fulham there was a little bit of complacency and and the early goal obviously sort of harmed City's hopes of really going and blasting uh, three or four past Fulham in the first half but you just hope that maybe maybe the players need it to be fresh in the mind still they don't want to have that massive cushion because then like you say doubt does set in but City top of the table hopefully touch wood back where they belong and where they'll be come the end of the season Oliver Kirsch thank you very much thank you very much boys Ollie McCall, thank you very much. Thank you. If you're new, hit follow, hit subscribe. We've got four episodes after this one coming this week, so stick around. Thank you very much, and until next time, we'll see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.